Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron, you're up this week. What are you bringing to the table today? I am bringing back The Will to Change, Men, Masculinity, and Love by Bell Hooks. Um, so bringing that back to the table today. Fantastic. Yeah, we talked about it earlier this year. Um, surprisingly, back in March. It feels like so um, long ago. <laughs> yeah, and I don't feel like this actually happened that long. So, you know, it's a time warp. Yeah. Um, but we both said that we had more to talk about with this book, so I thought it'd be great to bring it back for another discussion uh, here. Um, you know, this is a really incredible book, in my opinion, that yeah. dives into patriarchy and, and how it shapes the expectations of men um, and broadly sort of more about gender norms and, and kind of unspoken rules that we all absorb and follow. Yep. Uh, and in our last conversation, we talked about uh, patriarchy is a cultural system. Uh, we talked about work and how men use work as kind of this crutch to avoid other aspects of their emotional lives. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked some about affirmation or how we can affirm men. We talked about feminist manhood um, and developing a healing of uh, our culture of healing uh, right. from patriarchy. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing where our conversation takes us today because there's definitely more from this book to talk about. Yeah, there's so much more. And yeah. I, I'm yeah, I'm glad we're revisiting this book. Thanks for remembering that we talked about it uh, and talked about doing this. Uh, I think there's just so much good stuff in this book and so much that can be really helpful to all of us, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I when I was thinking about this, I think I said this last time, but, you know, I think that's true from both uh, the, like the intellectual perspective, right, and how we think about and address issues related to the impact of patriarchy uh, and 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 these concepts of, of masculinity and, and love. But it's also very true from a personal perspective, right? Like, and through our own lived experiences, mm -hmm. like how we translate this or, or how it plays out in, in our relationships, uh, through our actions. Um, and, and the work in particular, I think that we do to, yeah, and, and the lives we lead as men, right? Right. Um, and so I, I, I think we just scratched the surface when we talked about the book the first time, right? Mm -hmm, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to this. Um, you know, when I went back and sort of checked my notes and kind of perused the book, one of the, one of the first things that, that stood out to me that we didn't talk about too much last time uh, was from the first chapter of the book. It's called Wanted, Men Who Loved. And in that, Bell talked about how if we want to create loving men, we have to love and care about men as they are. But the reality is that our patriarchal culture and society doesn't always allow men to simply be who they are, right? Because yep. men's value is always determined by what they do and how they act, right? Yes. And... You know, one of the things she said, I'm going to quote her here, um, that particularly stood out to me was, no male successfully measures up to patriarchal standards without engaging in an ongoing practice of self-betrayal. And I just think that's so accurate, right? Mm -hmm. I think about it in terms of some of the spaces I've been with, been in with other men, right? Like whether that be in the context of the work we get to do with college students, right? And college men uh, or with family members or with friends, right? Like it's always been fascinating to me to see 
men shut down when their words or their actions or or their emotions, I think, um, are are misaligned with what our society and our patriarchal society has told us is acceptable, right? I think mm-hmm. men are often quick to make a joke in those situations, right? right. Or to to change the subject and like boast about something that they're proud of, right? Or, or they, you know, uh, again, to sort of make a joke or sort of, again, change the subject, right? Or really just to outright change the subject. Um, I feel like I've done some of those things too, right? And I've been in sort of, you know, one-on-one settings and group settings and, and I've seen it happen uh, so often. And so I think there's a lot in there to unpack, right? Because for so many men, I think it's connected to, and Bill talks about this, like what's been deemed acceptable and not acceptable in our society for us to uh, act in ways in which we could be, right? And emotions we can um, display, right? And the ways in which we can interact with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think Bell really did some great work here to encourage us to work to address that. Um, and and really to remind us, I think of like what, what the, the, like the power of loving men and allowing them to exercise their fuel, full humanity, right? And what that might be able to do for us individually and, and, and what that might mean for us collectively. So, yeah. Yeah. What, there was one, I think it was in this chapter. Um, I'm going to paraphrase this because I don't have this in front of me right now. Um, but it was something about, you know, patriarchy doesn't really give us space to care about sort of male pain because it doesn't like it suppresses it in a way that then that gets digested as like sort of rage right so like actual vulnerability and pain in something um, is not an acceptable kind of behavior and I I think that came from this chapter too um, is something that stood out to me um, because she named it for herself personally yes um, of like you know uh, having a partner and not wanting to hear his own like his sort of vulnerability yes. um, in whatever that moment was, whatever that was that he was going through um, and and sort of shutting him down for that in a way or, or shying away from it and avoiding the, the conversation um, and thinking about how often we all do that and perpetuate this whether or not we are men. Right. Yeah. So there, there's these broader cultural expectations and rules and on how we're supposed to behave right. um, that, you know, patriarchy gives us gives us these uh, the roles to play to and play. then we play them. Yep. So mm. yeah, um, it's a great section of the book. Yeah, I appreciate um, that. You know, and one of the other pieces that's related to this is uh, that I think is so important about the book uh, is the way that she names the ways that patriarchy is harmful to men, and that's a piece of, of what yes. we we're just talking about. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that we do typically when we start learning about and unpacking what oppression is, um, is we see that there's a hierarchy in that oppression. Um, and we assume that that means that those at the top of the hierarchy are sort of unharmed or, or untouched. They get to live their lives as they are. Right. Um, when in reality, right, like we're given a role yes. to play um, when you are in those hierarchical kind of positions. Uh, and so Bell so astutely names that men are impacted by patriarchy, right? Yeah. Um, these expectations for what men are allowed to be put us in boxes. Mm. Um, so the, I think the point I'm trying to make here is that it's in our interest as men to understand and challenge patriarchal norms in ourselves and in each other, because even if patriarchy gives us some power, right, there's a cost associated with that. Yeah. 
um, and we're harmed in the conferral of that power. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she says in the book, clearly ending patriarchy is necessary for men to have collective liberation. Mm. It is the only resolution to the masculinity crisis that most men are experiencing. And I think it's important to name some of those crises here, right? Suicide rates are higher in men yeah, by quite a bit, yeah. right? Binge drinking rates are twice as high with men as with women. Uh, illicit drug use rates are higher. So... You know, you look at those things and they're all different, um, you know, varying degrees of severity, yep. ways to escape, yes. right? Um, all the way up to taking your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking about, you know, I, I think we'll start talking about violence probably later because that's another big piece of this book. Yeah. But that's, it's sort of, it's violence upon oneself too, right? Yep. Um, and so I, I think we can see these things that, um, these ways of escape, um, because we can connect them to the ways that patriarchy harms men and disconnects us from each other, um, disconnects us from ourselves, disconnects us from love. Um, and I think we have to address patriarchy directly and dismantle it through finding new ways of being, which, you know, talks about as feminist masculinity, um, later on in the book. Absolutely. I mean, it's powerful to think about the ways in which patriarchy uh, plays a role, uh, in our ability to sort of love our ability to sort of love ourselves, our ability to sort of express this, the notions of us being in pain. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's just, there's so much harm there. Right. And you named some of that, um, and the, and the sort of extreme, uh, cases of, you know, what that manifests itself as in men. Right. And it's important to name that and know that and talk about that as men. Um, well, cause I think one of the things that we, maybe we talked about last time, I don't recall, um, is that one of the first things that patriarchy teaches us to do as men is like disconnect ourselves from ourselves. Yes. Right. Like, and that's, that's the first kind of act is that sort of self disconnection from what you talked about earlier is like recognizing that my actions, my behavior, whatever it is, isn't aligned with these expectations of me. Absolutely. So. Well, and that's power. Like if you intellectually, if you hear that, right? Like right. if you hear someone say that, like I'm disconnecting from myself, it's like, what? Yeah. You know, and sort of that's a that's a powerful thing that I'm sh- that I think a lot of people talk about or uh, people who are sort of dealing with this, like uh, think about mental health, right? And therapy, right? Like you, that's something that you would pick up on, right? right? Like you just said this, right? right? I'm like, let's, let's talk about there. that. Let's yeah. talk about that, right? Because- yeah. Um, that's sort of a wild thing to say, and you might not say it that eloquently, right? But yeah. you may say other things that mean that same thing. So, yeah, yeah I, I I appreciate that. I think there's so much to unpack when it comes to patriarchy. You know, she has a chapter in the book called Understanding Patriarchy. I think it's the second chapter, uh, right? And I, there's so much there. It was really enlightening to me in so many ways. And you know, sort of expanding on what you just said. And I, and I think we talked about this last time. You may have mentioned this, right? But this idea that all of us play a role to some degree in perpetuating patriarchy is such an important piece of this, right? And it's so important to name that and for us to understand it, right? And examine it, right? And I, 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 I believe we also mentioned this too last time. And you just said this, right? Like she even named some of the ways in which she has participated in this, right? With her, that story about her partner, right? And sort of not being there for 
his full humanity into some degree, right? So um, I, I, I think it's important to name that again, right? And, and to talk about that, not only because I think we see this playing out in harmful ways every day in our society, uh, right? in our politics, right? Like it's just, it's everywhere. Um, but I think there's some work we have to do for ourselves here, right? Like what are the ways in which all of us are wedded to patriarchal thinking and actions, right? As, as sort of one question to, to consider. What are the ways in which we have actively taken power or agency away from folks or, or been complicit in that happening? Um, what, are, what are ways in which we've perpetuated outdated or rigid gender roles? You just talked about gender roles, right? Mm-hmm. And that made me think of that. What are, what are ways that patriarchy and this masculinity crisis um, and this harm that you just talked about is harming us as men in particular, right? Um, I think another thing to think about is like when and where have we seen patriarchal actions in our friend groups, right? In our relationships, in our workplaces, right? And so much of this, you know, I think we can think about it from the perspective of like, when is this stuff happening consciously and when is it happening unconsciously, right? I think that's a, a huge thing to sort of consider in this as we really examine what this has done to us and is doing to us. So I just think there's so much in that chapter and in this book that's helpful in reminding, particularly it reminded me of like the importance of just asking myself these kinds of questions, right? And trying to be mindful of that in like all of my interactions, right? And all the spaces I sort of find myself in, right? And and that's big, right? Like I like I, I know that that's difficult work to do, right? And questions to ask, right? And to sort of be actively always doing. But like, I think it's important if we're committed to this notion of honoring each other's humanity, right? Yeah, I think um, it's a big constant shift in mindset, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a big um, readjustment of... Uh, personal values uh, because of the ways that we adopt sort of the values of patriarchy. Yep. And I think that that is just ongoing work and yeah. trying to recognize when we are uh, living that out, uh, when we're per- perpetuating it, uh, when we're participating in things that are like directly connected to these concepts of violence and control that yes. are, that are, ingrained in in patriarchal culture uh so i yeah i think that that is it's just so difficult because it's ongoing work and it's a shift in your worldview to try to pull back the wool from our eyes because these systems exist in a way that they don't want the people who are hierarchically at the top of them to know that they exist there it is so yes we, we, it's the constant like kind of pulling wool back from your eyes or you think of horse racing like taking the blinders off so you yeah. can see more of the world uh that is a that's and that's a constant process you don't just get to you know take the blinders off and right. then all of a sudden everything's cool um mm. so it, it it's a big difficult thing and process to continue to undo um in ourselves and, and in each other but it's you know, part of the work. It's part of right. the, the step toward toward doing that that stuff. Toward, Absolutely, toward liberation and, and justice. So, um, you know, and sort of connected to this is this quote from kind of early in the book, actually, mm. um, when Bell Hooks says, "The crisis facing men is not the crisis of masculinity; 
It's the crisis of patriarchal masculinity. Mm -hmm. And until we make this distinction clear, men will continue to fear that any critique of patriarchy represents a threat. Um, And this is in the context of uh, she's critiquing some books that had come out around the time that she had written this book about sort of boys and men and and the challenges that boys and men face. But they didn't talk about and name sort of the, the... the systemic, the, the cultural aspects of where those expectations come from right. uh, and, and the roles that boys and men play that are part of those cultural expectations. Um, but uh, the, I think this distinction between what is masculinity and, and what is patriarchal masculinity is important um, because masculinity, for the most part, throughout the last however many hundred years has been defined by whatever patriarchy says it is. There it is. Um, yes. And I think that's a crucial piece of this is also for us as men or as people who, um, you know, are masculine, um, we have to separate whatever our iteration of masculinity is from these sort of patriarchal concepts yes. um, and try to get to whatever that means for us, like individually and collectively. Right. Um and I think that's one of the main reasons why I'm so drawn to this book is this trying to find this distinction yes. uh, and difference. Mm-hmm. Because we have to name these systems and understand how they show up in our lives and how they influence us, right? And this is this goes back to that sort of worldview shift. Yes. Um, and this is political education. Um, and you know, I use that term very broadly, not yeah. not in the sort of formal education K twelve higher ed sense, but in you know reading books, in talking to people, learning about the systems that influence our lives, because we have to have an understanding of these things, we have to very broadly understand how these things work and how they're operating to find ways towards something new, right? Because you can't define what a new thing is if you don't understand what are the what's the old process that you're trying to escape from. Absolutely. Sometimes, so absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, that's brilliant stuff. Yeah. I you know, I feel like it's the sort of and the idea of this new system and she names this being sort of this idea of, you know, feminine masculinity, right? Right? And and, and feminist manhood, right? Like um and then you talked about sort of the learning that you're doing with that political education. It's that learning and unlearning work. That's why we talk about, yep. right? Like that is important, right? Uh, and I, yeah, you I have love to unlearn the, the old ways of being to find the new ways of being so, to ways. some to some extent. Absolutely. Right. And so, I mean, her thoughts on sort of feminist masculinity, like were incredibly powerful. I think I talked so much about that. And when we did this back in March, if it really was March, I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> so that's incredible. I'm glad you named that. You know, um, I, I mentioned work a little mm-hmm. bit ago and I, it's been sort of sitting in my mind, this idea of um, work. And, you know, I also wanted to name that I appreciated what you shared last time uh, when we did this in March, right? Your reflections on Bell's chapter on work, right? And how work can get in the way of men's ability to love, right? Like I really appreciated that and what you shared. Yep. And I know so much of that and and what Bell actually talked about was really closely tied to what we as men often bring home with us to our loved ones, right? Mm-hmm. But I, so I reread that chapter and, and, it made me actually think a little bit more about how we as men actually show up in our workplaces, right? And I guess I thought about that because we spend so much of our lives at work, right? And so as we have these conversations around trying to actively dismantle patriarchy, you know, and move ourselves beyond that, right? I've been thinking about all of this in the context of 
work, like me being at work, right? Like what kind of space am I taking up in work conversations and in meetings, right? Am I open to actively listening to every voice and perspective, right? Because everyone is bringing something to the table. Yeah. Um, what ways am I role modeling openness and and particularly vulnerability, right? And how am I supporting that in other folks around the table, right? And other men. Um, and so I think all this to say that I'm, I think there's important work that we can all be doing in these spaces to recognize and dismantle patriarchal cult patriarchal culture, culture, um, in us and in our workplaces. Right. And I, and I, I think there could be some profound impact on, um, on us collectively, but sort of beyond those spaces as well, if we do that work. Yeah. Well, cause I, it's so important to hear and name the, the stories and experiences that, um, women have had in the workplace yes. of you know, being, um, interrupted and talked over and then uh you know that classic example of having stating an idea mm-hmm. having it sort of shot down in the moment and then 30 minutes later a, a man brings up the same idea yes. um, and it's sort of heralded and lauded as this new like revolutionary approach to like what it is yes um and so that's been something that i f- hearing those stories I think is important to take in how can I adjust the way that I approach that? Uh, And so for me, whenever I'm bringing up things, I try to reference back to like, this is not an entirely unique idea. I'm building on what so-and-so said. Right. Or, um, you know, also paying attention to like really trying not to interrupt people. Um, you know, I think there is a, there's a pattern of, of, um, dialogue and discussion, uh, in which, uh, sort of discussion, conversation gets interwoven, yes. uh, right? And so it's not a clear pattern of of you speak and I speak and right, and we go yep. back and forth, but it's also like how do we pay attention to like the sort of norms and, and what's happening in the group and um, somebody's reaction to like when I do jump in and interject that yep. is super relevant in that moment and adds to the conversation, mm-hmm. but maybe – you know, has other impacts as well, right? Like all those things are important things to consider and think about, right? When we show up in, in workspaces and, you know, not just in work. Absolutely. um, But, um, that, that particular point you're making about work, I think is important. Yeah, no, there's definitely applicability of this outside of work. It just, when I just reread that chapter, I was like, I want to talk a little bit more about work. Right. And again, because we spend so much time there. Right. And I love that example. Like, I think there's so many examples of, of those stories that women have, right? And it's right. not just sort of the idea of um, credit being taken for an idea. I mean, there's violence that women experience mm-hmm. in the workplace. There's so much that happens. So I think that is a, this is a, a particularly important space for us as men to consider what's happening. Right. Yeah. Um, and challenge ourselves and each other yes. in that. Um, so shifting us a little bit, one of the things that I think is so prevalent throughout the book mm-hmm. is this concept uh, of violence yes. um, and how embedded it is in our culture and, yes. and in patriarchy. Um, so this is a, another quote from the book. The fact that men often mix being caring and being violent has made it hard for everyone in our culture to face the extent to which male violence stands in the way of males giving and receiving love. And I think this is such a powerful thing for us to explore sort of collectively yeah. as men, um, especially because there are all these little ways that violence is ingrained mm-hmm. in us. And 
in little ways that it shows up in our everyday lives. You know, I think of um, little phrases that are violent, right? Mm -hmm. I'll shoot you an email, Ah. right? Like these little things in our everyday speech patterns um, that are idioms, but where are the idioms from, right? Like what's the origin of that? And I think that that's, you know, this is not all of it, but this is a way that there are these little places where there's violence yeah. built into to the things that we do and how we speak to one another and, and that. Um, and I think it's important to see those things, but also see the other ways that violence plays out um, in how we maybe manage conflict. Yeah. I think conflict um, is so, we're so avoidant of conflict mm-hmm. in the U.S. Um, that it almost feels like, like a form of violence because the relationship can end and like, what is the damage that happens from that? What's the harm that happens from that? Um, You know, and this sort of embedded violence, like cuts us off from each other. Yes. Um, It, it, it ends connections. Um, It finds ways, it finds ways to, as Bell says, like prevent love and and warp love um, into something that it isn't really. Um, you know, into something that's manipulate manipulative and, and, and toxic, um, especially when we consider her definition of love, where it's a combination of care, commitment, knowledge, responsibility, respect, and trust. Mm. Um, you know, it's impossible to have all of those things um, while there's also violence present, right? Yeah. And And violence is another way to think of, I think, domination of like, you know, who has control of a situation and how does that domination play out? And that's uh, another thing that she explicitly says in the book is that love cannot coexist with domination. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, I don't know, it's so important to consider all of these little ways that we, in the U.S., in the West, I think broadly, yeah. sort of perpetuate this idea of violence. Um in, in little ways in our in our everyday life. Yeah. 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 I, I love that you're naming the little ways, right? We Obviously, they are the big ways too. But yeah, her her definition of love is one of those things that I just, I can't get over it. It's so mm-hmm. good. And you're right. I think you can't have those things when there's violence present. You can't have all of them. You can't have any of them, I think, right? Any aspect of that definition um, if, there's, if there's violence present, right? And so I think... That definition of love is a is a is a can be if it's done right a beautiful antidote to violence right and mm-hmm. um, and and it's because that violence is so embedded in our culture right and I think Bell did a great job to try to show us sort of how that is the case and I even think about you know again you talked about little violence right I think about Toronto Burke in the documentary we saw right yeah. talking about sort of. Um, sort of larger violence that's happening yeah. against women, right? And violence that happens against black women in particular, right? Mm-hmm. And, and who are the, who at large is the culprit of that? It's black men um, to some degree, right? And so that violence plays, can play, a, can look small and it also can look very, very big. Yeah. Right? And I think for me, I talk about the little violence here, not to like brush the big violence under no, the rug, of course not. right? But if we can notice all the little mm. violence, yes, right, it makes the big violence even more unacceptable. And I, I get that these are not technical no. terms, right? Like right. we're yeah. talking about this very broadly and colloquially, but, um, you know, if we can see all the ways that this little violence 
the, but the little violence leads to the bigger violence, yes. right? So we have to see that they're it's connected. And so if we start with like, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't say like, I'm gonna shoot you an email. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's some kind of origin in that, that like, right? And right. that ripples out into some ripple other ways that we, yeah. we think about mm-hmm. um, the world around us. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And I, again, love that definition of love. And I know you do too. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks for bringing it back to the table. Um, and thank you, Bill. Um, yes. I, so I, like I said, I, I didn't fully read the book again, right? I, I skimmed parts. I reread some chapters. I, I did reread the the last chapter of the book. It's called Loving Men. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I was struck by two things that I wanted to talk about. So, and I think they stem from appreciating what Bell did to name how imperative it is that we work to create a culture in which all men can learn to love. And so the first thing that I was struck by was how she talked about this from the perspective of how important it is for us to reimagine family mm. as a place of resistance, right? And and family being that place where we where we can and we have to role model love, right? Especially for, for children, right? And that's obviously important, I think, because children are going to run this place one day, right? Right? They, yeah. They're growing up in this society. They are going to run this place. Um, and so the idea of that, if we, the idea of that, right? Like if we can do that for our children, I, it, it, it makes me hopeful for our future, right? And the possibilities for our collective liberation, I think. Um, but the other thing I was struck by was appreciating Bell for naming that this work also needs to be done by adults too. And I think we've, we've spent, I don't know, 20 some minutes, 30 some minutes talking about this, right. For us as, as adults, right. Like, and especially us as men, right. We need to do all we can to encourage men to love, to heal, to express love, right. And to sort of be given the space to do that. And to do that openly and honestly and authentically, right, in our relationships with each other and sort of with with everyone. I think that's so important. And so I uh, I, I love that last chapter. I appreciate Bell for 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 naming those imperatives for us. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right, let's talk about application. All right. Um, so the last time around, um, I took a peek at, at what we talked about last time. Um, my application was about pieces of pop culture uh, that Bell Hooks names as, as products of patriarchy. Uh, there's a lot of movies about war and, and violence and violence. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, and that still stands out for me as something important um, yeah. to sort of name and think about. Um, but, I, you know, I want us to think about these aspects of patriarchy, mainly violence and control and domination uh, and how they are embedded in our culture and in us, uh, reflecting on how we pull these things out of ourselves. I think that's where I'm going with application um, for for today, because I think it's a key piece of this idea about feminist masculinity that's, um, you know, we talked about as a specific chapter in the book. Absolutely. That's great. It absolutely makes sense that that would continue to be application for from this book for us. I I love that. You know, I think about how wonderful it is that we've now dedicated two episodes to this book, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it should be obvious that we see this whole book as application. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's a powerful book. And so if you haven't read it yet, please do. I encourage you to do so. I think one of my biggest takeaways, uh, and I said this earlier, is for everyone to think about the impact of patriarchy in our lives and in our relationships, right? And it's 
applicable to all of us because, again, all of us play a role to varying degrees in perpetuating patriarchy in our society, right? And so that's certainly one piece of application. I also, again, think her definition of love, which you mentioned earlier, and I know you appreciate too, is just Mm -hmm. amazing. And I think there's such great... Uh, and lots of ways to sort of be thinking about that as application, right? And thinking about how we love, how we love men, how we show love to men, right? Um, how we show love to each other, right? Um, how we sort of as men love each other too, right? All in the context of her definition. And so I like I just think about like what would it mean if we all took that definition to heart and mm-hmm. applied it in each of our relationships, right? In those relationships that we do genuinely or at least say that we do that we love that other person right i think that would be great right mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um yeah i think that definition has stuck with me through uh, a lot of years which i think i talked about before yeah um it's just so good yeah and she refers back to it in in several uh of her books there this is um this book is one piece of three books about love yeah um one was called All About Love, um, and then this one, The Will to Change, and then there was another one that was specifically thinking about women in love. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so homework. I mean, let's continue to read Bell Hooks. That's that. Yes. You know, I just named some other books by her. Yes. Um, but I think that's the real homework here. Um, you know, I think it's important to beyond that, um, beyond just reading. Bell Hooks uh, is to continue to learn and explore feminist masculinity and how, you know, we can root out these norms and rules, root them out of ourselves and and find um, find those new ways of being. Um, yeah, that's great. I I will co-sign the idea of continuing to read more Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks. I went back and <laughs> looked at what homework I suggested for myself, and it was to read her book, Feminism is for Everybody. And I'm going to be fully honest with folks. I have not done that. <laughs> uh, so that is going to be my homework. I'm committing to it. You know, we're, we're fortunate enough to work in a field that uh, has a winter break. And so I've been thinking about, um, and I have been thinking about sort of the ways in which I want to sort of rest uh, mm-hmm. over winter break mm-hmm. and reading is on the list. And so I am saying it here today. Hopefully, believe me this time, I am definitely going to read uh, Feminism is for Everybody over winter break. And you know what? Maybe then I'll suggest it as uh, some material for us and bring it to the table in one of our early episodes in the new year. Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to that that winter break to get some some rest and also reconnection with family time. Yes. Right? All that stuff is, is important. Um, so grateful for that coming up soon. All right, Damien, you are up next time. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? I am. All right, so I'm going to bring an article to the table for our next episode. It is called The Mantra of White Supremacy and mm-hmm. was written by the one and only Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, who we are big fans of, right? Um, it was published actually just a couple of weeks ago on November 30th, and it's in The Atlantic uh, if folks want to check it out with us. Uh, and uh, fully transparent here, I haven't actually read it, but I was drawn to it because it's by Dr. Kendi, right? Uh, 
admire him, respect him. Um, I also think this piece will help us to continue our conversations about the the these misguided attacks on critical race theory and and anti-racist education in our country, but specifically from the context of of white supremacy. Um, one of the questions that I did sort of see when I was sort of skimming the piece, uh, there's a question that he asked in this piece, and it stood out to me, and it's it's immediately what made me want to bring this to the table. He says, how many Americans know that the claim that anti-racism is harmful to white people is one of the basic mantras of white supremacist ideology, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think he talks about that, obviously, and, and so much more in this piece. So I'm looking forward to to reading it and talking about it with you next week. Yeah, that sounds great. I had I had not seen that yet. So looking forward to reading that uh, and talking about it next week. Awesome. All right. Well. We want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm going to ask you to do, but you may have forgotten. Um, Please follow, leave a rating and review. Share our podcast with the people in your life. Uh, Follow us on social media. Check us out on the YouTube channel. Uh, Sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we have going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next week.